Hi, everyone. You're listening to Grit and Glamour, honest conversations about the grind toward the glow up that you don't see on the gram. Here, I interview inspiring leaders about the messiness behind the process as they achieve their goals and dreams. Because despite what social media might tell you, it's not all glamour, baby. I'm your host, Ruby Veridiano, and welcome to another episode of Grit and Glamour. so much if you're tuned in to Grit and Glamour. This episode is super special to me because we're going to be talking about two of my favorite topics, social justice and spirituality with one of my favorite people. Um, I'm your host, Ruby Veridiano, and today we have on the show Lola Vinson. She is a personal development coach and also the communications director for Faith in Texas. I'm going to let Lola talk about Faith in Texas in a little bit, but I also want to say that uh, this conversation is super special to me because Lola is also my prayer partner. So, you know, every Sunday when we can, we get together and we um, really kind of join together and figure out how we can um, pray ourselves up and pray for the world. So this is an extension of that Uh, private conversation that we have. And we get so much out of it that we said, you know what, let's open it up. And hopefully it sends light beams, ultra light beams to anyone who is hearing this conversation right now. So Lola, hi, tell us where you are and how you're doing today. Oh, I'm so glad to be here, Ruby. And I I can't wait for this conversation. Um, So I am uh, currently in my living room here in Dallas, Texas. Um, I am a California native, but I've been based in Dallas for the better part of a decade now. Um, And I I am feeling grateful today. I'm feeling um, excited and I'm feeling powerful today. So I I hope that uh, that energy just kind of, you know, flows out and through the interwebs as we have this conversation. Yes. And I want to share, too, that Lola and I are both California natives, um, but we met here in Paris when we were going to grad school together. We always reflect on how miraculous it is that the two of us coming from, you know, really um, modest backgrounds in Northern California somehow ended up in Paris to live this incredible journey. So we're so grateful for that. Um, and every time I go home, we somehow end up finding each other in my parents' hometown, which is like in Sacramento, California, which is a very far, far, far destination right. from Paris. So we make it work. We do. And, you know, I'm so grateful for technology because it really just helps keep those connections. You know, I'm grateful for all of my my friendships um, that span time and distance and, you know, language and um, just every barrier. You know, I think that's really, it's really great. I always look forward to um, our conversations and our check-ins and um, I'm looking forward to kind of letting people into these, you know, special moments that, that we have because they truly are um, soul food and super powerful. Yes. Well, speaking of soul food, we are going to start this question with, or this, uh, this conversation with a question that is probably, you know, kind of a lot. Um, but I trust that you can, um, articulate and, um, answer it in a way that would be, um, of service and also of great meaning. So uh, I was asked this question the other day and I was like, wow, that's, that's a, a lot to think about. Um, so the first question is, how do you define spirituality? Ooh. I told you. <laughs> <laughs> we 
jumping in. Okay. We're going in. We're going in. <laughs> um, honestly, I think um, for me, I believe in a higher power. I believe that there is something that exists that is greater than our limited uh, human understanding. Uh, so for me, spirituality is our individual personal journey and connection to that divine energy and being. Like plain yes. and um, however that manifest for you in your life, that is your spirituality. Yes, yes. And I want to um, also stress that if you're listening to this conversation, this conversation is also for everyone, regardless of your spiritual beliefs or religious affiliations. This is just kind of the general, um, we're, we're, even though we both have um, our own uh, spiritual uh, foundations, uh, we want to just share that kind of general uh, meaning of like being able to be connected to a higher source. And I think for me, someone asked me that the other day, and I was thinking that it's really a, an empowering belief system, right? Because as, you know, as human beings, we are limited in our capacity to understand uh, what's happening in our lives. And sometimes we rely on facts and logic to, you know, really uh, interpret what's what's going on, but I, I believe that spirituality is an empowering belief system that allows us to redefine life's events um, and gives us and uh, gives it a sense of purpose and a greater meaning that's beyond us. Yeah. So, um, can you also share what your spiritual background is? Uh, sure. So I I grew up um, raised Kojic, which is Church of God in Christ, and that's like a Pentecostal denomination um, of Christianity. Um, relatively rigid and strict, like women don't wear pants in church, kind of <laughs> strict. So, um, you know, my grandmother played a huge role in raising me. I've always been very close with my grandmother. And so she really <clears throat> um, was and continues to be um, kind of my, my North Star for just um, religious strength and you know she was the foundation and that's actually why like on all my social media I'm legacy Lola because I'm named after her and um I kind of believe that I'm her legacy in some way um but so grew up Kojic and um I didn't necessarily know what that meant it just we went to church a million times a week <laughs> you know we weren't necessarily taught to question what we heard coming from the pulpit um, it was just ritualistic. You did what you were told and you kind of practiced and just kind of is what it is. Um, so now as, as an adult, I'm, I'm really just non-denominational. I consider myself a Christian only insofar as that I am a believer in and follower of Christ, but I don't necessarily fit into any one uh, denomination. Um, and I I believe there are many pathways to come to know the divine. And so this is, this is my invitation and this is how I kind of choose to walk that, that journey. But um, to say that it's the only way um, that puts limitations on God that I'm not comfortable with. So for me, I'm like, I'm just going to walk my path and, you know, this is the journey that I'm taking and this is how I connect. Um, and I'm also, you know, very open and willing to hear how others do the same. Yes, I love that. And I love that um, you, you talk about how it is um, multiple paths towards, you know, towards God. And I feel like I find myself praying um, with friends who are Muslim, uh, praying with friends who are Buddhist, praying with friends who are Catholic. So I feel like there are so many ways um, that we can access that in our own lives. But at the end of the day, we're all 
um, connected to that um, that higher power. So I love that. Because I mean, ultimately, I, you know, I believe there's one. And so how we choose to worship or not, or how we choose to nurture and cultivate that connection, um, that individuality is what's beautiful and, and what makes it special for each person, you know, so. And I think what I appreciate about folks who are on a spiritual path is that we have uh, a relationship to faith. Um, and because of that, there's a trust that we have, uh, regardless of what life throws at us. Um, so I think right now that's very important. <laughs> um, and I feel, um, I think we might've discussed this before, but it's uh, such a privilege to have walked that, uh, to have built that faith muscle and to have been tested enough times to, to, to build that faith muscle because now we're at this moment in our history that is so unprecedented. And I think that it's tempting to freak out and to, um, to be down on, on ourselves and to be down about our lives because of all the different things that are coming our way. But faith allows us to be centered um, mm-hmm. in something that is that 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 allows us to trust that whatever is happening, it's it's it. There's there's something there that we need that we need to grow uh, grow from. So yeah. for you, I would love to ask you, uh, what is your journey um, in your journey? What is what what is it? What does your journey towards building that faith look like? Um, how did you build it? Man, these questions are so deep. <laughs> I told you we were going in. It's not Super Soul Sunday for nothing. <laughs> I know, right? um, so I'll actually start. I'm going to go way back. Um, and I promise I won't talk about my grandmother for the entire conversation. But um, again, she is like the foundation. Um, she's the prototype. So I will start with the moment God actually became real to me. Um, and I was about nine, 10 years old. I was living with my grandmother at the time, um, myself and my older cousin, and my grandmother never really um, cared to drive. She had been in a bad car accident and she just was nervous behind the wheel. It wasn't like anything that she really liked to do um, after that car accident and especially not in bad weather. And so, like I mentioned earlier, like we went to church, you know, four or five times a week for one thing or another. Um, And this particular uh, evening, it had been pouring rain. Um, whoever said it never rains in Southern California was not telling the truth. Um, (laughs) but we, you know, she'd been praying like, you know, like, Lord, please hold the rain. Like I I can't drive in the rain. And, and she prayed all the time. And so honestly, a lot of it would just go in one ear, not the other, especially like I was a kid. Um, but I remember, you know, we made it to church safely. There really wasn't any rain. It was pouring while we were in church there was no rain when we got home. And so we pulled into the garage, we walked out we, and um, we entered the house. And the minute she shut the door, the front door, I kid you not, it was like the loudest, like boom of thunder, like crack. And then like buckets and buckets and buckets and buckets of rain. And she just went in and was like, you know, minding her business. And my cousin and I looked at each other and we were like, almost just shocked really um and I I ran back down the hallway and I was just like grandma it's raining she's like I know and I was like but you prayed like for God to hold the rain until we got home and (laughs) she just was so unbothered um and she was just like you know God is real and prayer works so for me as a child 
that be, it was a very tangible way to be like, oh, okay, there, there is something up there. Um, and, and in that moment I was like, okay, God's real. That, that's, that's a thing. Um, but then I started having these like these moments of wrestling because, you know, I had experienced um, a lot of things children shouldn't have to, to ever experience, um, you know, and I survived a lot of um, abuse as a child. And so then it kind of became, well, if God is real, like, what did I do to make him so mad? Like, why doesn't he like me? <laughs> because like, I didn't do anything to deserve, you know, like the situation I'm in or so what, what's up with that? And so I kind of then was like, I didn't have the desire to engage with getting to know God better. Um, and so throughout, you know, teenage years, and I just was kind of like, you stay over there and I'll stay over here. And again, because we were always in church, the, the seeds were planted. The foundation was laid, whether I liked it or not. Um, but as I kind of came into, you know, young adulthood and, and you know, just started coming back around and, as I was living kind of more of a, a fast life and, and I was just like dark, you know, in general. And, and I, I didn't like that, but I felt like my, I felt myself kind of being drawn back to something. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just started kind of reintroducing myself to God and like recultivating that, that relationship, you know, the God of my understanding. Um, and I think the, the, like the revelation for me was like, it wasn't God that was doing all of these things to me. It was God's grace that had sustained me through um, and got me to where I was at that point. And, you know, that transformation in, in my thinking really just kind of like shifted my entire outlook on life. And I really just was, you know, shedding kind of like that darkness and the heaviness and said, you know, I just want to be light, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, in, in every sense of the word. Um, so that it has definitely been a journey because, um, you know, we, we often ask ourselves, like, why do bad things happen to good people? Or, you know, why do bad things happen in general? You know, if there is this God who's so loving or this higher power who's so loving and sees everything, knows everything. Like, well, why, why do we have to have suffering and heartache? Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately, like <laughs> I still, if I had the answer to that, I think I'd be onto something, you know, um, but everything, there's an equal and opposite you know, um, a reaction. And maybe we just don't quite appreciate the sun as much, you know, without the rain. Um, but so I say all that to say, I think, you know, just building that muscle has been, um, it's just a process of being willing to engage because I believe God is with all of us all the time waiting for us to say, Hey, you know, like I, I want Oh, we got, we have a little technical difficulty. All right, let's just um, try to chat Lola and see if we can find her. I think I cut out for a second. Well, okay, that's okay. You're back. You are back. <laughs> I was um, text her. Uh-oh, no, I'm here. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, God is, you know, with us all the time, just kind of waiting for us to reach out. And like, when we want it, he's like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm there. And so 
the more you go to the gym, you know, and work your muscles, the stronger you get, uh, the, the more you run, the, you're going to build up your endurance. And so faith is the same way. The more you exercise it, the more you engage with it, the stronger, you know, it, it gets. And it just comes from, I think, a desire to want that and that hope. Um, and faith that, like you were saying, there is something greater that kind of just gives you that motivation to like trust one more time and one more time after that. And, and I think that's just what it is that, that constant cultivation. Yeah. And what I love about folks who do have a spiritual channel or spiritual path is that when something happens, um, that feels devastating, we bounce back quicker. I noticed that, but also, yes, we feel the pain and the hurt, um, but we also um, have an op- we have a belief system that allows us to 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 reinterpret what that could actually mean, right? Yeah. Like we say, okay, like that happened for a reason, and this is the reason for that. Or how can I grow from this? Mm-hmm. Um, how can I continue to lean into gratitude despite this? Where is God in these details? Yeah. And I think that that's a big difference um, because when you don't have that kind of support system. You're just thinking, this is bad, this is bad, this is bad. And um, I'm hurt, I'm hurt, I'm hurt. And there's no nowhere to lean on um, that I think um, is really important to be able to, uh, to reach out to a greater uh, knowledge. Um, so I think that that's what I love also about our conversations and our friendships is that, you know, whenever there's something troubling, we can soundboard that and we can give it a different meaning. Yeah. And I think, and ultimately like being grounded in the fact that, you know, for me, there's a scripture that says, you know, all things work together for our good. And um, I can, I can honestly say that I, I truly, I believe that because there are some devastating things that I've experienced, you know, in my past that, I directly see how it informs me today in in my work that I do and the way that I engage with people um, and just the way that I approach life for the better. Um, And there's nothing that I would change or, you know, wish had gone uh, differently now uh, um, because it, it would change, you know, fundamentally like who I am and change my outlook and, you know, everything came that like, you know, I was created for such a time as this, like our unique experiences, our unique resources, our unique gifts and talents are specifically designed for this moment. Um, you know, and wherever you are, you can be used and you can be of service. So. I yeah. Think and that- I also love that I've heard once um, someone saying that at times you feel like you're being buried by, by life, but in reality, you're being planted. Yes. We're seeds. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and there are seeds that I I know were planted many, many, many moons ago that are just starting to flourish. And um, when I have those like little moments of like those light flashes where I remember, I'm like, oh, this is, it's so good. And it just, it's confirmation that I'm on the right path and I'm doing uh, what I'm supposed to, you know, do as far as seeking my, my purpose and like walking in my, my divinely ordered steps. Mm. And speaking of that, that is such a perfect segue to my next question, which is the work that you're doing on a daily basis. Um, You're a communications director for Faith in Texas. Can you tell us a little bit more about the organization and the work that you're doing there? Yeah. So uh, I love Faith in Texas. Faith in Texas was was honestly an an answered prayer for me. Um, And before I talk specifically about it, even just like how it came about, 
um, before uh, I was doing PR and marketing for a an international corporate law firm. And, you know, my career honestly has always been about telling stories back from when I was in, um, you know, production, documentaries, um, TV, all of that, to working with various brands, you know, telling those brands stories, you know, trying to sell to consumers, to, you know, agencies and just all of that. Um, it's always been about telling stories. And so that's kind of like a full circle thing. Um, but I had just, I was so unfulfilled. Um, you know, I was well-paid, high visibility, like for all intents and purposes, like on paper, the job was great. You know, I should have been very happy, but I wasn't because I, I was, may, I felt like I was wasting my you, like I just said, my divinely, you know, um, given like gifts and talents. And, you know, it's like, I'm writing these stories about this multi-million dollar merger where my people are dying, <laughs> you know, and I just, it, I couldn't reconcile that anymore. And so I, I took a, a big leap of faith and like among other life transitions that I was going through. And I just said, you know what, I'm, I'm, it's time for me to walk away. And there, it was a very like punctuated end to a chapter. Um, and I just, you know, decided that I do, I go back to consulting and just kind of doing my own thing. Um, until and we've talked about this before. Um, I said, you know, my next full-time role, it has to do three things. <laughs> um, I said, I want it to be fulfilling for me. Um, I want it to be impactful for other people and I want it to be glorifying to God. And I said, I don't know what that looks like. I don't know how you intend to, but three things. <laughs> and I just like, I waited on that and I operated in that. And, you know, people were like, well, what are you going to do? What's next? And, you know, I was like, I don't know, <laughs> not sure yet, you know, but I'm waiting on three things. <laughs> and, you know, when, when they show up in the, in the right way, I'll know. And I, I've been always blessed in that way of, um, every life changing, um, like pivotal moment, um, has usually been made what to outsiders looks like on a whim. But for me, it's just always like, I'm filled with like this overwhelming sense of peace. Yeah. Um, and that's how I know that it's God saying, okay, this is, this is what's next. And so faith in Texas was no different. Um, I hadn't heard of the organization. Um, a friend of mine sent it to me and she said, this is your job. And uh, <laughs> I just kind of looked and I was like, oh, okay. Like that sounds cool. Like, all right. And I just put it to the side. And a couple of weeks later, she sends me another, um, email was like a newsletter and she's like look at your team like look at what they're doing <laughs> and I was kind of like okay like she's really like adamant about this and so I started kind of looking into the organization and I was just like wow they are doing some great work so let me just see what happens and um you know sent in my my inquiry and you know that's all she wrote um and it was like a really fast turnaround so uh, Faith in Texas is um, a social justice organization, um, but a multi-faith, multicultural um, organization, a movement um, that really fights for economic, social justice. Um, you know, we're united in values. So it doesn't matter to us whether you are Christian or Muslim or, you know, um, Jewish. If you are, you know, um, fighting for the same things we are, if you believe that um, everyone has the right to um, living wages and a safe <laughs> place to live and, you know, that they deserve to fully participate in the processes that that govern their lives. Like if, if you align that way, if your faith 
um, compels you in that way, or if you just um, believe in what we're doing, we want to work with you. Um, and so we are really like squarely at the intersection of um, race, faith, policy. Um, so we get to really be on the ground, um, just really fighting for justice, whether it's a policy campaign um, and like voter engagement, um, leadership development, um, research, strategic communications, obviously, and then, um, you know, public action. So we're, we're down here on the front lines. Yeah, I love that. And I also love that your organization and really the work that you're doing there sits right on the intersection of our theme today, which is the, mm-hmm. the, the connection between spirituality and social justice. So maybe yeah. you can help me break that down and unpack that a little bit more. What in your perspective, what is the connection between those two things? Well, I think ultimately it means something different for everyone because spirituality is so personal. Mm-hmm. Um, but for most people, um, and, and it's just for myself, um, your, your faith compels you, you know, to, to act. And we're supposed to, um, you know, care for the least of these. And so what, what we see as the least of these now are the, the marginalized and vulnerable people in communities. And that's typically Black, Brown, and poor people. Um, you know, and so just like if you, you know, are a believer in and follower of Jesus, he was with <laughs> the least of these, like he fought for the least of these, those who did not have um, a lot of access to resources. They weren't rich. They weren't perfect people. They weren't in power. He was with the ones who were the opposite. Um, and so for most people of faith, that is what compels them to move into this work because um, it's the tangible um, way to, you know, to manifest God's, God's care and love for us. Mm. And I also love, I want to just share a little bit about your vision statement. I'm just going to read it because I think that it was so, it it resonated so much with me. Um, so the vision statement of faith in Texas envisions a world in which economic, racial, and social equity enable everyone to live in complete liberation, to pursue mm-hmm. their divine purpose, and participate fully in the systems and processes that govern their lives. Yeah. Um, that is such a perfect um, marriage between those two things. Um, and I love that the, 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 the words divine purpose exists in that vision statement. Yeah. Um, maybe you can help me break down what divine purpose means to you. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Um, I think, you know, it comes back to the way that um, everyone is, um, first of all, everyone is created in God's image, right? So we are, every human is inherently worthy, full stop, like without conditions, without any fine print, with no, you know, um, just that's it. Like you are here, you are worthy. Um, and everyone has a purpose um, that, you know, kind of that um, feeds into just the, the overall fabric of, of humanity. Uh, so what that looks like is different for everyone. And so as we were even, you know, crafting the vision statement, you know, we, we brought together, it wasn't something that was just like, you know, created in a vacuum. We brought in people, you know, from our base of, of followers, from different clergy, different backgrounds to say, how does this speak to not just different um, faith backgrounds, but just people in general? How will this resonate? Because although you know faith is in our name, we are faith um, faith based. That's not we're not exclusive. You know, there are some people who don't um, 
associate with a particular religion or faith practice and they're welcome too. They have a purpose too, because I like to say that even if you don't believe in God, you can still believe in good, right? Like we all believe in something. Um, we all believe in justice and equality. And so those are the, the things that we're really rallying behind because for us, you know, justice is what love looks like in public. Like we've heard that, like that's, that's God's manifestation. So like, how do we work on creating, you know, beloved community and his kingdom here on earth while we're here? Yes. And I also, what comes up for me when I think about divine purpose is really not pursuing just a career, but a calling. And I think that that's what's different about friends like you, um, who I can really speak to about this, because when you're pursuing a calling, you don't get discouraged that easily. And when you do fall, you have, you always find the strength to get back up because you know that what you're doing is something that you're being called to do. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it creates a different meaning. It's not just a job. It's something that it's your unique contribution to the world. How are you aligning with that divine assignment that you've been given to really yes. use the gifts and talents and skills that you've been uniquely blessed with to then contribute to the fabric of justice and peace and harmony um, and love. So I love that. Um, and know, there's, when you say, you know, about a calling, you know, there's absolutely like there's a, an endurance that I think is, is kind of inherently built into a calling versus a career. You know, you could change careers like that, but a calling, you could run from it if you, like you, you could try, (laughs) but at some point, you know, and I've said before, (laughs) same, same sis, same, like, no matter, and I've said this before, like, God is going to get out of you what he put in you no matter what. So it's up to you how easy you make that process for yourself. (laughs) The more you fight it, the harder it's going to be because please believe you're going to come full circle and you're going to end up, you know, like where God needs you to be for him to use you. Um, So when we fight and when we run, um, for me, it came down to, I had to stop being, um, really disobedient, you know, because it's like, I, I, I was coming into the understanding of what I believed that I was meant to do. And I, as the picture became much more clear, then like my, my humanness kicked in. I'm like, Oh, that scares me. I don't want to do that. I'm not good enough. I'm not ready. I need, you know, the checklist that we, you know, often like run down in our heads that distracts and deters us from, from what we're supposed to do and where we're meant to go. Um, but what kept coming to me was this is not about you and it's not for you. You're supposed to do your part. Um, And I was like, I can't keep stopping my progress and my blessings individually, but also those, you know, that um, of everyone who's meant to be blessed by what I'm supposed to do. Like I'm, I'm now hindering their destiny and their journey. Like there are people waiting on me to do what I'm supposed to do. And I can't keep like block, you know, stopping and hindering that process. So even like my screensaver says, somebody somewhere is depending on you to do what God has called you to do. And so I, I see that every day, multiple times a day. And it just kind of gives me this in, in defatigability, I guess, to just say, all right, one more time, let's go. <laughs> I will say though, that there's definitely um, failures on the journey, right? Oh. Because faith doesn't get built without the testing. 
Mm -hmm. Uh, And I said this the other day, but um, we we learn more from our losses than we do our wins. Um, And so I think that that's what can be difficult, right? Like the the reason why I said earlier that I tried to give up on whatever dream that I had was because I kept coming across a closed door and I started to question, is this the right door? And at the end of the day, you know, I always have this, you know, this inner intuition that's like, just try one more time, you know, try one more time and maybe you're going to do it a little bit differently. But the the thread has always been there. Like you, I'm a storyteller. So there are many different ways that we tell stories. You know, you could be telling a story for a brand or organization. You could be telling a story through an article that you've written. You could just be telling your story through, um, you know, the, the speaking and the workshops that you get to do with other people. But I think right now more than ever, we need to be aligning ourselves with the roles that we want to play to really contribute to the collective healing process that the world is so desperately calling us on to do, you know, whether it's environmental justice or this, you know, fight against racism. Mm -hmm. um, It's the time is now for us to really align ourselves with that and to be brave and stepping into the big shoes that we are being called to fill. Uh, I mean, and even the work that you do, that's so powerful in, in the fashion space, you know, like that is a part of the revolution and the resistance, like finding that, like, you know, um, brands that exploit, you know, that's, that's at the, you know, exploitation and commodification, like really is at the root of our, you know, capitalist society, you know, but, you know, at the, at the, the under thread of that is the, the women who are exploited. And so because you're, you know, a women's empowerment champion, and you said, you know, I can, I can merge the two in this way where a lot of people don't think about where their clothes come from and what that means and how that, you know, impacts economies and family and women. And so everything ultimately can come back and be justice, you know, and everything is, um, everything is spiritual if you make it so, <laughs> you yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's bring it back a little bit to the work that you're doing at Faith in Texas, because I know you've been extra busy lately. Yeah. Um, like you said, you are on the front lines. Um, what does that look like? What have you all been working on? I know that you have a couple of different projects, but what does it look like from the ground and what are the things that you're doing? Yeah. So, um, for example, even when um, when COVID kind of first hit um, and they started shutting down all over the, the country and then, you know, just kind of started moving closer and closer. Um, and so when we shut down, I remember laughing because a lot of my friends were like, I don't have anything to do. I'm at home. Like, you know, let's, what, like, let's watch, let's have a Netflix watch party together. And, um, I was like, y'all, I'm busy, like busy, busy. <laughs> uh, so, um, that looked like us immediately mobilizing to say, okay, um, people are being ordered to shelter in place. They can't work. How are they going to be able to afford um, <laughs> their rent, you know, be able to afford their um, daily necessities? Are they going to be able to eat? So, you know, we immediately started working on um, helping get a moratorium passed so people couldn't be evicted during, um, you know, shelter in place. Um, working on, you know, figuring out who can tell utility companies that they can't shut off people's utilities, right? To say, hey, if you're, we're being ordered to to shelter in place, but if you cut off someone's electricity or their gas, like they're not safer at home, you know? And so again, it's looking at who's the most vulnerable, who's going to get hit hardest in a crisis. And it's typically black, brown, poor people. 
you know? Um, and so we're, you know, uniquely positioned to um, liaise with, um, you know, local officials to kind of represent that those groups of people and, and make sure that we're advocating for solutions that have their best interests front and center. Um, and so uh, most recently, you know, with the um, unfortunate and senseless murder of George Floyd, and as you know, protests erupted across the the nation and the world, really, it's a, this is now a global movement. Um, but, you know, there were protests going on in, in Dallas, and they got heated, you know, um, really quickly, just like they did um, in other places. And uh, Faith in Texas, we also um, operate a bail fund, um, the Luke 418 bail fund. And so with that, um, it's a part of um, our larger work to end the use of cash bail in Dallas County. But we were able to be so of support to those who got arrested um, for exercising their, you know, First Amendment right to freedom of speech. Um, so those are kind of like the tangible things that put us like squarely in the center of all the chaos that that goes on um, because we are then advocating and we're right there with who needs us the most. Mm. Yeah. And what what are you seeing on the ground? It's pain, you know, like it's <laughs> like full, full stop. It, it's, it's agony and it, everyone is just tired um, and, you know, fed up. And I think that a lot of times, you know, it's been a sense of helplessness because you don't know what to do and it feels really big and it feels like one voice can't do enough or one action isn't enough. You know, it's like uh, mopping the ocean or something. Um, but the fact of the matter is if enough of us bring our one, <laughs> right, then we become um, many. And um, I think ultimately it's just been um, a lot of grief like born like throughout generations that is finally erupting, um, you know, those broken out windows and, you know, fires and like, that's just literally the, the tangible manifestations of like what people have been carrying in their bodies for all these years. And it's just finally coming up and people are now fired up and ready to act. Like we're not, we want this to, to be the last time. Like we want to be able to say never again. And that's actually, um, that was the theme of our March just yesterday we hosted. And um, our rallying cry was never again. Like it's time for us to say as, as people of faith, as just, you know, humanity, as, as leaders, as a city, as a, as a nation, never again. So what radical action do we have to be willing to engage in for the foreseeable future until we get what we came for, until we see the results that we need. Um, and so that's what it looks like on the ground. It's gritty. Um, it's not pretty, you know, but it's powerful. And in that it's beautiful. Yeah. And um, I can imagine how draining it must be to be on the front lines. Um, but you are always smiling. And every time I call you, I could, I could hear the smile in your voice. Um, how, you know, what role does your faith play in keeping you restored and refilled so that you could uh, continue being there for other people? Oh, <laughs> really my faith some, some days is the only thing that keeps me going. And um, 
some days it feels really heavy. Um, but I also know that despite, like, I know how busy I am and I know how busy we are as an organization. There are folks doing more and that are even closer to it than, than we are and that I am, you know? And so even when it feels the heaviest and when things feel, you know, constricting and dark, I'm still grateful. Like I have to lean into that gratitude because for me, I'm reminded that a, this is what I asked for. <laughs> B, this is what I've been uniquely, you know, created and, and blessed to be able to do. And it's a way that I'm able to be of service in, in this moment. Um, and so I just, I'm thankful and I say, okay, God, like for such a time as this, so let's, let's keep going. Um, and it, it's only faith. And, and I'm, I'm deeply, deeply motivated in the fact that when I do have children, I don't want them to be in this. You know, I, I want to create something better for, for all of the children of today and those, are, you know, who are yet to, to come. Um, and, and that does, it drives me. Yeah, yeah that's wonderful. And speaking of, um, well, we t- talked earlier about divine purpose. Um, I know that you execute your divine purpose in other ways, you know, not just in your role with Faith in Texas, but you're also doing work or beginning to do work as a personal development coach. Yeah. Um, you know, how is that connected to your divine purpose? What is your approach in that uh, lane? And who do you intend to serve? Yeah, so coaching was really, it was one of the things that I was, I fought. Um, I didn't, I didn't want to, I didn't want to be a coach. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, Like by trade or with any formality, I was like, no, that wasn't for me. And when it kept kind of coming up, I'd just be like, nah, that's not, that's not my lane, right? That's not my ministry. <laughs> um, like, you know, everyone has their lane. Um, and I didn't feel like it was mine, but um, it's been a very kind of organic and undeniable process because I get so much joy um, from helping people um, find their light. And for me, like light is, is really synonymous, um, like with divinity and that, that connection to the divine. And so when you, when you find that, um, you know, it, it then begins to shine and you help other people, you know, like, like that light just then like reverberates. Um, so it's, it's been organic, like I said, and, um, my approach really is like me. Um, I'm very, um, straightforward. I'm raw, I'm gritty. Um, and I know that the road to freedom is not pretty. Um, and that's personal freedom, you know, cause you got to unpack all that ugliness that's in there and kind of get rid of all of that. And, you know, the places that you're broken, like, how do we, how do we piece that back together? You know, and I don't have the answers. It's really just my job to help you find what's already inside of you. Um, the answers are everything we need is inside of us. And so we just need people to help pull it out and put the pieces together. And then that's what I seek to do. Um, and ultimately, um, for me, it's women who are, you know, they have the courage to want to get unbound. There are so many things that keep us tied down, keep us like constricted um, and really prevent us from operating and walking in our full purpose. And so um, sometimes you just need somebody to, to kind of give you that extra push or, you know, um, help you see things in a different way and just help kind of unbind those ties Um, so you can actually just like be, be free. And, um, once you do that, like you've changed 
you know, not only your life, but everyone who's connected to you. And so for me, it's like, let me help you like find your light and leave your legacy. Because again, for me, it's all about, you know, our a, a legacy that we leave behind. Like, what are we doing for, for people who come behind us? Yeah. And especially as women of color, I think we also have the shared uh, passion to really lift the people who, you know, who come from the same background as us and to show them that, you know, things are possible regardless of where you come from or how you grew up, you know, your dreams are valid and they're possible and there's place for it. And look, you know, you know, we have um, taken leaps of faith and, Mm -hmm. you know, we have, ended up in Paris somehow and in one part of our lives, despite, you know, all of the challenges that we had to go through and the hoops that we had to, uh, to cross just to get here. Um, And I, I love that also our shared um, mission to empower women is something that we connect on. And I don't think that we would have been ready to empower other people had we not gone through the fire ourselves. Absolutely. Um, Cause you know, if, 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 if we'd never been through something, right. Like we wouldn't be able to tell someone like, Hey, I've been there, or this is an example of how I got out of a situation that you're facing. Um, so I love that we share like that. That says uh, some, some women are, are burned by the fire. Others are, are built in it. They're forged in it. And so I know that, you know, we've had such, so many conversations, like we have been forged in the fire. <laughs> you and know, we've been, trained. we've been trained, as you were saying, you know, for a moment such as this. Yeah. Um, and I love that you continue to be smiling. You know, I know that you said earlier that it's intense on the ground, um, but you still have access to joy. And I know that that is uh, a priority for you because joy for you is an act of resistance. Yes. <laughs> you help me unpack that. And maybe there are, you know, I know that for me, um, I do a lot of work to refill myself, right? So I think that that's why I could have access to joy because it's been not just like this year, but like really 15 years of intentional, you know, uh, inner foundation. Um, and it, it takes a long time to build that mountain inside of us. But I think there's been moments where I felt guilty for feeling joyful, given the craziness that we are in. Um, so I would love for you to help me unpack why joy um, is actually necessary in this moment and to not feel the guilt in, in, in accessing that. Yeah, um... We are in a society that um, profits off of pain, profits off of um, our, you know, telling us that we're unworthy, that we're not good enough exactly right um, how we are, um, you know, buy this, it'll, it'll change this, get that, do, you know, all of these things. And so no matter what, we're always pushed, especially in America. And um, like, I'll digress for a moment, right? That was one of the things that once I adjusted to it, I loved about being um, in, in Paris, there was just like a different zest for actual like quality of life and not like the rat race that we're, you know, thrust into here incessantly in America. Um, but it's a whole other conversation. <laughs> um, but, you know, we, we're in this society that is completely um, built on, um, you know, a scarcity mindset. There isn't enough. You are not enough. You know, you need more. Right. And so to 
to be joyful and to say, I am happy in the skin I'm in, in the season I'm in, in the space I'm in, right? Like I'm finding my joy despite everything that you're telling me, despite the obstacles against me. Like that in and of itself is resistance. <laughs> that in and of itself is revolution. Um, so I, I do try to find little bits of joy wherever I can and whenever I can. And when work starts to feel particularly taxing or heavy, it's like, okay, let me lean into some gratitude. Cause I think gratitude and joy are like inextricably linked. You know, you can't have one without the other. And there is always something to be grateful for. There is never a moment that your eyes are awake or that you are, you know, that you are alive and breathing, that you don't have something to be grateful for. And so if we can lean into that and then, you know, grow it, like allow it to bloom and, and just hold tightly to things that, that bring us joy, um, that that's resistance, you know, um, and, and it's beautiful. And especially now when we think about Black people being um, under such attack, um, and as a Black woman, um, seeing how, you know, we are even being marginalized and sidelined in this conversation um, when we talk about, you know, um, you know, white supremacy and, and racist violence and police terror. Um, I have a list of literally more than 100 women, Black women and girls who've been killed <laughs> at the hands of police, you know, and um, we don't talk about them as much. We don't hear about them as much um, because it becomes about about the men and um, we can't do that. And so as a, a black woman, I, I feel like it's part of my duty to be seen in my full humanity. Um, mm. because you're not like, you're not going to define me by pain and by suffering, you know, um, define me by the light, by the joy, by the, by the happiness, by the positivity and not, um, you know, all of the opposite that has been, you know, thrust upon us. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, that. And I think for me, as someone who is committed to allyship, part of me wanting to cultivate my joy so that I could have room to hold space for other people, mm -hmm. you know, so that I could have enough to give someone else if they're not feeling good. Um, and obviously there are days that I'm also down, but at the same time, I'm very intentional about like, how could I, how could I refill myself so that I could hold space for other people so that I have enough energy to fight for, for others? Mm -hmm. um, because we can't, we can't run on an empty tank. Yeah. And I was going to say, we can't pour from an empty cup. We were like, right, right aligned. You know, we have to, we have to give from our overflow. Yes. <laughs> you know, we yeah. shouldn't be giving from, you know, a, a space of depletion. Um, and so it's intentional um, and very necessary, you know, to make sure that we're, we're taking care of ourselves. Um, and even that was like kind of a, a light bulb moment for me because, I really will, like, I will go and go and go and go and go and I will be tired and, um, and I'll just, okay, if you didn't do it, I will pick up the slack and do it because it needs to be done. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I was really like coming up on like burnout and I have burned out before. Um, but the revelation was I am, I can't be of full service if I'm not taking care of myself. So I owe it to myself. I owe it to the movement. I, I owe it to my space in this fight, right? To be a hundred percent. Like, I don't want to enter the ring. I don't want to come on the front lines, like <laughs> at, you know, 40% when I had the opportunity to make sure that I was at a hundred, um, you know? And so it's, it's now a part of, um, the work that you have to do the work to be well, so we can keep fighting because this is a marathon, you yes. know? 
It's not media attention might, you know, start to to dissipate. And, you know, we're in a society that has a really short attention span. But um, this is different because the whole world was shut down. You know, like COVID had everybody at home, more or less. Um, You can't turn away from it. You can't be distracted. It's in your face. And it's bringing to the surface things that have been none of this is new. (laughs) Right. So this is just that's been under the surface for, for generations. Um, and, um, that's how we, we have to make sure that, and that's why we have to make sure that we're really prepared for the long fight. And you can't, you can't do that if you're not taking time to take care of yourself. Yeah. Um, And as you said, this is a marathon. This isn't just a sprint or this is not a moment. This is a movement that has been happening for quite some time now. And, you know, there are people who have finally, uh, are on board, you know, after all the years that um, I think folks like us have been doing to like be organized or, you know, and being involved in our own activism. Uh, I think that for me personally, I'm super glad to, to see more and more people actually wanting to take action. And so for those who do want to continue being involved past this month, right? Uh, but for the long term, um, how can they get involved either with Faith in Texas um, or what are your suggestions in making sure that we are all here um, for the long haul? Yeah, um, ultimately I would say it's about making sure that you are um, educated and informed. Um, there is a lot of learning and unlearning that has to be done to get us where we want to go. Um, and that is an individual process. Um, you know, one of the the most frustrating things for um, a, a, most Black folks um, are well-meaning allies, particularly white folks that are like, tell me what to do. Like, I want to help. And it's like, you know what? No, we've been saying this stuff for years. Like we've been asking, don't ask us and expect us to do the work for you. Google it, you know, start researching. There are tons of books. There are brilliant, brilliant minds who have studied this stuff and who have put out articles and, you know, and publications and there are films. So just start engaging with the process, like make it your business to put dismantling these systems, you know, white supremacy and its systems, um, you know, as a part of your life, like you're now put on notice that, okay, how can I intentionally um, be a full participant in this work? Where are you spending your money? You know, um, are you willing to be inconvenienced to shop a small business or a black owned business? You might have to wait a little bit longer. You might have to pay a little bit more money. Um, but in turn, you know, you're feeding that family, you're funding the movement, you're, 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 um, that is an act of resistance because you're not feeding into mainstream society, even in that way. Right. So small things. Um, you know, definitely get connected to an organization that is near and dear to your heart, whether it's something that's local in your community or whether it's something that's that's um, that's nationwide. Um, you know, when everything uh, popped off with the protesters, we started hearing from people all over um, like, hey, we can donate to your bail fund. Like, do you, you know, local people then also said, you know, can I volunteer? Do you guys need food? Like, can I water, first aid, everything, you know? People were raising money. It was so beautiful to me. Um, someone was doing custom t-shirts, custom pins, um, astrology readings, baking bread. Like everyone said, hey, this is my gift. This is what I know how to do really well. And I want to use it to, you know, participate in, in this movement. So it's 
it's really not far off from where you are. Like the revolution and the resistance is in you. It's in the decisions that you make every day and how you choose to use your gifts and talents. Um, so stay informed, um, you know, get connected to an organization, whether it's faith in Texas or anything else, you know, wherever you are. Um, and ultimately let's get ready to vote. Right. (laughs) I would not ever get off this call without saying, make sure you are prepared to vote. Um, do your research. It is not just about, um, the president. Okay. Um, um, It's not just about the president, and that's all I'll say about the current occupant of the White House, Um, but district attorneys, sheriffs, you know, um, county commissioners, judges, all of these things are, you know, um, these are roles that have a tangible um, impact on our daily lives, and they're all elected officials. So when, you know, we saw that, um, you know, there's a certain law passed, um, I don't I can't remember, but there was something where there was like three people who voted against it. Guess what? Vote them out. Yeah. <laughs> if, if our elected officials are not proving that they're acting in our best interest, guess what? They have to go. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's on us. Yep. And I will say that one thing that I have committed to paying more attention to that I hadn't before because I've been overseas, right? I've been participating in the national elections, but hadn't been doing too much with the local elections. And like you said, that's where the you know nuts and bolts happen. That's where the real change happens. So if you're listening and you haven't paid attention to your local elections, now yeah. is the time. We don't have a choice. Yeah. Um, so I want to bring it back to what you said about knowing where you spend your money, because just a just to bring it back really quickly to the work that I do in sustainable fashion on the front lines who are making our clothes are black and brown women. So if you are choosing to support a sustainable brand or incorporating sustainable habits in your shopping um, uh, life, you are also participating in acts of anti-racism because it's the black and brown women who are making our clothes, who are the most disadvantaged, who are the most marginalized and who are affected most by COVID, just like what you said about you know, all the folks who are struggling because of the racial and economic disparities, right? So I think we, people don't really think about that when they're shopping. Um, they, they see a t-shirt, they see whatever, and we don't stop to think about how it's made. But when you look at the facts and you look at all of the roots of that material, mm-hmm. it was made by human hands, a lot of them black and brown women who are the most vulnerable. So I appreciated you saying that. Um, and Lola, you're frozen again, but I hope you're going to come back soon because I definitely want to direct people to where they can find you. Um, and Lola's still frozen, but oh, there she's back now. She's back now. Um, I don't know if you heard. I don't know if you heard the the loud thunder crack behind me. That's why I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah, the storm is starting here, but it's okay. Okay, is your grand? Did your grandma send that? I, <laughs> she very well may have. Listen, that sassy lady. I know where I got it from. (laughs) Where can folks find you um, and support you? Yeah. So um, you follow me on social media at Legacy Lola, both on uh, mostly I'm I'm most active on on Instagram. Sometimes I dabble in in Twitter, but mostly there. And um, I'm going to start putting out um, more content, especially about coaching and all of that as um, as I develop it and um, some other brands and projects that I, I have coming up as, you know, I'm at Liberty to share, it'll, they'll be put out through there. 
Um, but definitely just be connected, reach out. Um, I love having conversations like this because um, they're needed. Um, and it's hard to kind of um, have in a safe way because there people have a lot of questions and, you know, it's, you don't want to say the wrong thing. And, you know, so um, I love that you're willing to use your platform to have um, such a powerful conversation. Um, and especially, you know, I know that I have to be much more intentional about um, using my platform because um, I've always been very comfortable making things happen behind the scenes. You know, that's kind of why I went into production. Like, I don't need to be in front of the camera. I'm calling the shots behind or I'm helping you tell your story. Um, but someone just recently sent me a message, a good friend of mine. And she said, you know, you're the single reason why I'm aware. She's a white girl. So like, I mean, sweetheart. And she said, you know, you took the time with me a few years back to explain the importance of, you know, what's, what's going on and why I need to use my voice. And um, we were having the uh, Black Lives Matter versus All Lives Matter conversation. Um, and she, you know, she literally said, like, no one had ever taken the time to explain it to me. And you are the reason that I'm, you know, that I'm able to, to be comfortable being vocal. Um, and that stuck with me because um, it just kind of reminded me that, you know, for such a time as this, and everyone is meant to touch and reach someone. And so the more that you're quiet, the more that you're not um, leaning into your power, it's not just you that you're stifling, you know, you're, you're stunting everything that's meant to flow through you. Um, so yeah. I love that. And I love that we can end on that note. Yeah. Uh, so Lola, thank you so much for um, having our Super Soul Sun, being willing to have our Super Soul Sunday session with the world today. Yeah, I love yeah. it. So thank you for joining me and for all of those who are watching. Thank you so much for joining in on another episode of Great and Glamour and stay tuned for the next episode. And I hope that this filled you up today. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Grit and Glamour. If you found something inspiring or valuable in this show, I'd appreciate you sharing with a friend. Look out for the next episode and hope you'll tune in next time. Here's to all the grit behind the glamour. Keep shining.